Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to A Word with a Knight at Templar. Um, I'm the ambassador for our United States of America Templar group. Uh, in this podcast today, we'll be talking a little bit about the final eight virtues. Um, I've talked, had two other podcasts, uh, podcast episode 85 and 84, where we talked about uh, other virtues that we have. Today we'll be talking a little bit about purity, gallantry, hospitality, courtesy, gratitude, grace and mercy, mentorship, and overcoming failure. Uh, But first we're going to start out with a little prayer. If everybody would like to uh, listen to this prayer and maybe join in a little bit. Um, It's a Templar prayer. May the grace of the Holy Spirit be present with us. May Mary, star of the sea, lead us into the harbor of salvation. Lord Jesus Christ, Holy Father, eternal God, omnipotent, creator, bestower, kind ruler, and most tender lover, pious and humble redeemer, gentle, merciful Savior, Lord, I humbly beseech thee and implore thee that thou may enlighten me, free me, and preserve thee, brothers of the temple and all thy Christian people, troubled as they are. Thou, O Lord, who knowest that we are innocent, set us free that we may keep our vows and your commandments in humility and serve thee and act according to thy will. All those unjust reproaches far from the truth heaped upon us by the means of tough adversities, great tribulations and temptations, which we have endured but can endure no longer. Omnipotent, eternal God, who has so loved the blessed John, the evangelist, the apostle, and apostles, that he reclined upon thy bosom at the Last Supper, and to whom thou revealed and showed the mysteries of heaven, and to whom, while suspended on the holy cross for the sake of our redemption, thou have commended the most holy mother and virgin, and in whose honor our order was created and instituted. Through thou, through thy holy mercifulness, deliver us and preserve us as thou knowest that we are innocent of the crimes that we were accused of, so that we will take passion and possession of the works by which may be guided, we may be guided to the joys of paradise through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I'll talk a little bit about protection of the innocent. You know, knights were called to protect people on their pilgrimage. But it's a little bit different today as we are called to do it in a different way. We as Christians are also called to protect, protect our children and our grandchildren. And being hit, and these guys are being hit by unholy things all the time and that they are in dire need of protection from us. Unfortunately, the darkness of this world and the evildoers are corrupting them slowly and, and any more right, right in front of our very eyes. They force people into accepting things into society with morals that are just, well, they're upside down. How can we as Templars, as parents and grandparents, Watch this as someone corrupts them. You know, families and these innocent children need protecting 
from all this. As Templars and Christians, we must defend all children and adults in the realms of Christianity and religion and spread the good news and promote God's values and morality that was instilled in every one of us. As Christians and Templars, it, it's, it's time to take control over society's impugnation and, and Christian beliefs and infiltrating the minds of our children and grandchildren with a sinful thought words and deeds. We must engage in the war of ideals and stop them in their tracks. If you read James chapter 1, verse 27, quote, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Furthermore, if you want to read Jeremiah chapter 22, verse 3, that's what is, quote, this is what the Lord says. Do what is just and right. Rescue from the hands of the oppressor, the one who has been robbed. Do no wrong or violence to the foreigner, the fatherless or the, or the, the widow. And do not shed innocent blood in this place. We are called here to do good works, not just have faith that somebody else is going to take care of it. Not just have faith that we, we have to have good works and have faith with that good works. Hence, we have the commandments and the 24 virtues. I mean, one of God's greatest commandments was love thy neighbor. Love each other. Is that loving each other? No, we need to protect these children from society with the sin that is pushed on them. Now we'll start on the last uh, eight virtues. And that first virtue is going to be purity. And what is purity? Well, it's, it's uh, anything that impairs goodness. Um, it's to stay free of... Um, Life-impairing sin. Well, if you read Psalms uh, 15, you see that it uh, reads, uh, Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary? Who may live on your holy hill? He whose walk is blameless and who does what is righteous who speaks the truth from his heart and has no slander in his tongue? Who does his neighbor no wrong and casts no slur on his fellow man? Who despises a vile man but honors those who fear the Lord? Who keeps his oath, which we have, even when it hurts? Who lends his money without usury and does not accept a bribe against the innocent? He who does these things will never be shaken. And if you read Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3 through 5, but among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity 
or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such as a man is an idler, has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. You know, Webster's uh, definition of purity is free from anything that taints and pairs, clear, unmixed. Well, if you apply that concept to the Christian life, it's uh, being free from life-impairing sin. I mean, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, that grieves the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, he who wants us to be pure in the sense of unmixed with things of this world. Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, how is such purity achieved? How do we do that? Remember, uh, just read Ephesians chapter 3 for 5, but among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality and impurity. So you need to reflect on that. Um, a squire accompanied Joan of Arc into a battle. His, his quote was that uh, she surely, she entirely abstained from swearing. I felt myself inspired by her words, for I saw she was indeed a messenger of God. Never did I see any in her any evil, but always she was as good as if she had been a saint. Bertrand, who was a squire, and if you read Psalms chapter 24, verse 3 through 5, who may... Ascend the hill of the Lord, who may stand in the holy place, his holy place. He who was, has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. He will receive blessings from the Lord and vindication from the Lord and Savior. Romans chapter 12, verses 2 do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is and his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So what's the main area of your life that you struggle with? Purity? Billy Graham once said, quote, Every area of our lives is to be under the lordship of Jesus Christ, and that means the searchlight of God's, of God's word, must penetrate every corner of our lives. So purity is being free from all sin. Is that a lot to ask for? I don't think so. Because you have to think of the things. You're going to be in heaven. It's a fight to get there. Because of the things that are happening here to us. And what we're punctured with all the time. How can you help others who also struggle in this area? Pray for them. Try to help lead them. 
I guess that'll come with mentors, being a mentor, mentorship to help them. All right, our our next virtue is uh, gallantry. What's that? Well, it's uh, an unbridled courage and bravery, knowing that God has provided everything needed to be successful. It's one of those rich words that has two meanings. It also happens to happens that both meanings are spot on for the training of a true knight. Essentially, uh, dashing courage or heroic bravery. And the second meaning is a, is a noble-minded behavior or uh, giving courtly attention to women. Gallantry. Um, if you read Isaiah chapter 41, verse 13, For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. And First Chronicles chapter 19, verse 13. Uh, be of good courage and let us behave ourselves valiantly for our people and for the cities of our God. And let the Lord do what which is good in his sight. If you if you read the book that Dan Biddle had written, Knights of Christ, you can go in there and you can look up gallantry and using the sword and gallantry and sports. Um, it it tells a lot of things, of our virtues as Templars, and those you need to study the, those books and that book as well. Um, I want you to reflect a little bit on. And Proverbs chapter 2, verse 7 through 8. He holds victory in store for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk is blameless, for he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Joan of Arc wrote to Henry Lee Royer, quote, I do not fear their soldiers, my way lies open. If there are soldiers on the road, I have my Lord with me, who will make a road for me to reach the dolphin. I was born for this. And in another book, the book of Chivalry, the Order of Chivalry, you'll find a quote from uh, Ramon Lull. If you find true bravery, Look for it where you see faith, hope, charity, justice, strength, loyalty, and other noble virtues. By these qualities, the heart of a noble knight is guarded from wickedness, treachery, and from the enemies of knighthood. And that's another book that uh, our Templar Knights, uh, Aspirants, I should say, is another book that they have to read and, and study and uh, give takeaways on. But gallantry, heroic bravery, excuse me, 
Well, we'll move on to hospitality. What is hospitality? Ignoring convenience and going out of your way to help others and serve. And serve others. Hospitality. Invite people into your home. They need help. Um, Romans chapter 12, verse 13. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some people have entertained angels without even knowing it. You know, it's like if you're walking down the street or if somebody comes to your door and knocks on your door and is asking for a handout, you should you should invite them in. Be hospitable. Help them. That's another thing that you are as a knight, Templar. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 9. Hospitality simply means go out of your way uh, to serve and provide for others. Hosting meals. Does that sound easy? No. No, it's actually not so easy for one reason. It takes work and planning. And do you want to take the time to do that? You have to ask yourself that. Practicing better hospitality would have been uh, to call a good restaurant a few weeks before a parade or, or going out for a meal and having reservations set. Right? Um, but uh, I think it's necessary to send back to you my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. Philippians chapter 2, verse 25. Philippians chapter 4, verse 18. I, I have received full payment, and even more, I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering and an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. More hospitality. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13 verse 2, do not forget to entertain strangers. Remember, for by so doing, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. And if you think about that, You don't know if that's God or not. You don't know if that's Jesus Christ here on earth or an angel sent down or walking the streets. It's always best to be hospitable. Now we'll go on to our next virtue, which is the 20th virtue, courtesy. Just what is courtesy? Everybody should do that. Opening a door for uh, anybody that's maybe helping somebody with a heavy load. It's behavior that's gentle, polite, well-mannered, and considerate. And being considerate of other people around you. Um. Display a polished manner. It's simple. Showing respect for each other. Sophisticated conversation and intellectual skill. The original term comes from the 12th century, right? 
courteous, which meant gentle, politeness, and courtly manners, regardless of which deference makes the most sense to you. Courtesy is something you must see in action. It's not a trait like humility that can just be held internally, right? So if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 12 through 13, we work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. And we are slandered, we answer kindly. Let's not become weary in doing good, for at a proper time we will reap a harvest if we, we do not give up. Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 through 10. Proverbs chapter 24, 17 through 18. Do not gloat when your enemy falls, when he stumbles. Do not let your heart rejoice. Or the Lord will see and disapprove and turn his wrath away from him. So be courteous in all that you do. A true knight does not act, work, or fight battles in anger. So basically it's saying keep a clear head and an open heart and patience and that's another virtue right patience we talked about that um we talked about being patient anyway patience not necessarily another virtue but it should be being patient in everything that we do being patient with people who stumble and fall be patient uh treating people with respect and gentleness Right. I mean, if you look at even women, treat women with respect. If you look at uh, Colossians uh, chapter three, verse nineteen, husband, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Keep your mouth clean. Watch what you say to people. Don't curse at people. Don't curse with people. Right? If you read James chapter 3, uh, verses 9 through 12, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth came praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Romans chapter 12, verse 14. Reflect on this. Raymond Law. Here I'm going to give you two quotes by Raymond Law. It belongs to the knight to speak nobly and, and courteously, to have fair armor and be well clad, and to maintain a good and honest household, all the things that are necessary to the honor of a knighthood. Courtesy and knighthood belong together. 
for Valanius, and foul words are against the rule of the order. Loyalty, truth, hardness, generosity, decency, humility, mercy, and other similar virtues are also essential to knighthood. Raymond Lull. Got it right there. Just those two quotes right there say it all. All right, gratitude. What's that simply mean? It means contentment and thankfulness. Uh, while I have gratitude can enhance our life satisfaction and daily sense of being, you know, the opposite of gratitude is greed or entitlement. Be grateful and thankful for all the blessings that God has given and gifts that God has given you. No matter what they are, it may be very small, but it's still a gift from God. Have gratitude. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? Have gratitude towards life and towards things that God gives you. To that place, the knight was accustomed to come each day to order, in an order, to pray and adore the Almighty God, who he thanked for all the honors he had shown him throughout his life. The Herman Knight in Raymond Lull's Book of Order, Chivalry. Well, folks, if you should be getting that. The next thing up is uh, grace and mercy. Just what is that? You're asking yourself, what, is, what virtue is grace and mercy? Well, we know the humble acceptance and giving something that is either undeserved or rightly deserved. Right? A true knight needs to live his or her life with both grace and mercy. What's the difference between them? Put simply, grace is getting what you do not deserve. A blessing, a reward, or a knighthood. Right? Do you not deserve that? Do you work hard to do it and prove it? So, and mercy is not getting what you deserve. Did you work hard to become a knight? Did you work hard to become a a sergeant or a mentor? Did you work hard to do that, to become one of those? Did you give your time to help others? God's grace, for example, is not earned. His grace is offered to us through Christ's sacrifice, even though we don't deserve it or didn't deserve it. For as by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, but it's a gift of God, not by works, so that you can no one can boast. Mercy, right? We talked about Joan of Arc and her things. You men of England have who have no right in this kingdom of France, the king, the king of heaven orders and commands you by me 
Joan of Arc, that you quit your strong places and return to your own country. If you do not, I will cause you such an overthrow as as shall be remembered for all time. I write to you for the third and last time and shall write to you no more. She was giving him a warning. Mercy. Uh, here's another quote from Raymond Law. Raymond Law, I should say. Ramon Law. I always say Raymond. I don't know why. It's Ramon. Um, God has given the knight a heart to be courageous in his behavior, so ought the knight to have mercy in his heart and incline his courage to the works of mercy and piety and pity. I don't know, I read that wrong. Um, that is to say, he ought to help in, in provisions to them that approach to in tears and require them the aid and mercy of knights who have placed all their hope in them. Raymond Lowell. So we know what it is. Right? Grace and mercy. Humble acceptance in giving something that is either undeserved or rightly deserved. Mentorship. Well, here, I'm going to say this in our order, um, is needed in a bad way. mentorship um, essentially what mentorship is providing wise and influence uh, uh, it's to help others through exchange of ideas and, and advice uh, being a mentor means providing um, him or her with uh, wise and influential counseling but he or she is open and receiving it unlike parenting which you can be more direct. Mentoring is an exchange of ideas and questions by the mentee and advice and input by the mentor. So without mentorship of true values and character traits, it will, it will die out. Um, you need, and we need, you need to mentor people. And, uh, Let's read 2 Timothy uh, verse, uh, chapter 2, verses 2 through 3. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust in to reliable men who will also be qualified to each other and endure hardships with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And that, folks, actually should be your mentors and mentees' favorite quote. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. First Chronicles uh, chapter 19, verses 12 through 13, Joab said, If the Armenians are too strong for me, then you are to rescue me. But if the Ammonites are too strong for you, then I will rescue you. Be strong and let us fight bravery, bravely for our people and the cities of our God. The Lord will do what is good in his sight. 
Reflect on this, this quote from uh, the Book of Chivalry, uh, Ramon Lowell. Quote, a coat is given to a knight to symbolize the great ordeals that he must suffer in order to honor knighthood. For just as the coat is worn above the other garments of iron and faces the rain and receives blows before they reach the halberd or other armor, so a knight is chosen to sustain larger burdens than another man. And all the men who serve under him and all in his care ought, whenever necessary, to seek him out for help, and the knight should defend them to extent of his power, to the extent of his power. So being a knight, there's a lot of responsibility here, right? And mentorship is one of them. Love the Lord your God with all your hearts and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and, and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames and on your houses and, and your gates. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5-10. through 10. It's absolutely necessary that you mentor. Mentor your children even, right? Do that. The practice of mentorship needs to be constant and opportunistic. Um, opportunistic. <clears throat> but also timely. Ephesians chapter uh, 5, verse 16 cautions us to make the most out of every opportunity because of the days are evil. And we talked about that about children earlier on in this uh, podcast. If you read Proverbs, oops, if you read Proverbs chapter 25, verses 11 through 13, the word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver, like an earring of a gold and an ornament and fine gold is a wise man's rebuke to a listening ear. Like the coolness of snow at harvest time is a trustworthy messenger to those who send him. He refreshes the spirit of his masters. So we know what mentorship is, providing wise and influential counsel to others through the exchange of ideas and advice. Now, overcoming failures, our last virtue in this series, part three of three, Overcoming failure, just what is it? It's it's perseverance over difficult and, and challenging things that have happened in your life or, or, or any aspect of your life, right? Um, getting back up and after getting knocked down, getting back on the horse after getting thrown off, uh, falling off a bicycle, getting back on the bicycles. You just keep pushing and you overcome that failure. I'm going to be able to ride that bicycle. I'm going to be able to ice skate. I'm going to be able to ski. You know, you fall down, you take these bumps, then you get back up and you just keep doing it till you get it right. You're overcoming failure. It's not giving up on something that you want. Um, not to be defeated, right, by by aspects of things in life. If you read... Uh, 
Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 through 14. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in, in, in Christ Jesus. First uh, John chapter one verse nine. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Overcoming failure. If you think about that, it actually is easy to do. Second um, Corinthians chapter four verse sixteen through eighteen. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly. We are wasting away, yet inner, inwardly we are being renewed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen, temporary, is just temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Does that bring you back to the faith and, and, and hope? All these virtues that we've gone over today in the past three weeks, I should say every weekend, we have done with love. All these virtues are interconnected. I'm not going to say it all the time, but it all has to do with love, loving one another. How do we protect our futures, Knights? with what's going on in society. We're designed as individuals, and, and society is to be drawn to take care over, over harm, fairness, over cheating, loyalty, and betrayal, authority over subversion, sanctity, or purity over de degradation, and liberty over oppression. Slippy put it, it's the way that we have to survive and thrive in our environment with others. These virtues are for that, to live our lives for God in these ways. Putting it simple, would there be enough evidence in our lives to prove that we can live this way? There absolutely is. We can do it. We'll stumble and we'll fall, but we'll overcome that failure, won't we? That's why it's a virtue. We are each other's, we are each giving gifts that makes us all unique. We are to use those gifts that we have to become a pinnacle of what we're supposed to be as individuals and as humanity. Uh, we must do everything in our power to fight ignorance. And protect these our children and protect our grandchildren and, and promote morality and on all fronts, all fronts. We must defend those who cannot defend themselves against harm. To be 
to be fair in our dealings, to be loyal and love, friendship and honor, to respect legitimate authority, and to promote sanctity and spiritually in all things that are beautiful in our lives. And we must strive for liberation for, for all humanity from the darkness that is so relentless in this world. It's our duty to assure that our children and our children's children inherit the world that is healthy and promotes good values. We as knights in our order need to do that and, and protect our morality as well. We're engaging in war of ideals. Society has a harder time arguing against the existence of something when it is evident and true. We must live our lives as knights and allow it to become uh, manifest in our character. All these virtues, all the Ten Commandments. If you show people that it can be done and live by that way, and we have more people that join our order, then you're faced with the real truth. Lies have no power. As Matthew, whoops, sorry. As Matthew uh, chapter 7, verse 13 through 14, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through here. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. As knights and as templars, we're called to do good works. We're, we're not supposed to just have faith alone, as I've said before. There's James in chapter 2, verse 17 through 18. We are meant to be more than bumper stickers or people who put the fish on the back of their car as an emblem of Christianity or having crosses hung around our necks. We have to be people of action. People who live in the likeness of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? And as Templars, we're expected to live that life. You'll, when you become or become a knight, you take an oath. Stating just that, we'll live the life of God-like. Well, that's about all I have today, and this is the last of this series of virtues.
Um, I'll come up some, with something next week. We'll probably get back into some more things about uh, the history of the Templars, or possibly I'll just do another broadcast on some other things about becoming a knight. So on that note, everyone have a great day, and may God bless you. throughout your week. Thank you.